Welcome to Catch the Fire London podcast. We really pray that you will be blessed and encounter God's transforming presence as you listen to this message. If you just stretch your hands as we pray for Alistair as well. Father, thank you so much for your son because that's who he is. Lord, as he stands here, thank you that he has prepared, he has prayed and he has sought your face. And Father, you have a word in season for us, your children, through your son. And Lord, I pray that he would just feel that permission, that acceptance from his daddy God as he stands and he speaks your word. Father, fill him, fill him to overflow, that it will, his, he would speak with such ease and lightness. Bless him. I pray the joy will flow from deep within him and out, oh God. In Jesus' name. And bless our hearts as we receive your word as well. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks, Rita. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. And actually, good afternoon, everyone. (laughs) Good afternoon, everyone. (laughs) Sorry, the primary school teacher comes out at me a little bit when you sit down. Good morning, children. Good morning, children. Good morning, Mr. Foreman. That's just, it just kind of rises up in me. Well, why don't you think carefully about whether you're going to turn to the left or to the right. And now that you've thought carefully, why don't you turn to somebody and ask them, are you done or are you ready for more of God? And now that you've done that, would you like to turn to the other person who you ignored repent and confess that they were less important than the person on the other side and ask them, are you done or are you ready for more of the Lord? Okay. (laughs) Good stuff. Husbands, I hope you chose wisely then. Um, Cool. Well, uh, it's just awesome to be here and um, I know Stu and Chloe will really appreciate the prayers that you gave, um, giving palliative care is not easy. Um, it's, it's, if you've been in that position, you'll know just how hard it is for them right now, and especially so close from just before Christmas and uh, with their aunts. So please do continue to pray for them um, because there's, there's a lot of demand on their hearts um, right now. But I'm really glad to be here with you. And um, what we're going to preach, what I'm going to just try and do a relatively quick message, famous last words, um, is for this January season, we, we, we kind of in the, the leadership team just said, we do have a series that we're going to go into um, in February, which we're really excited about. Um, and we'll, be, we'll share about that later. But we just felt we'd start the new year with a few kind of core messages of, of what the leader, what one of the leadership team felt they carried and just kind of some standalone. And obviously, uh, hands up if you were here last week for Dan's message. Uh, just amazing. So, so good. You will be so thrilled to learn that I'm not going to be stripping off um, in any way, shape or form. So, hooray! <laughs> God is good. And um, I did have this image of me like, if you weren't here last week, this next bit's not going to make any sense to you. Or the last bit probably didn't either. But I'm, I had this picture of me like pulling out a tooth to prove that I could do it too. 
but obviously I don't have a removable one like Dan, so I literally would be just yanking it out. Um, so we, we're not going to go in that direction. Um, but I do want to build on what, some of what Dan shared, because he, he brought a real message about, about being vulnerable, honest, and authentic. And that's, that's really at the heart of, of um, whatever I'm going to describe as my core message. Um, and for all of us, we've got a message, and it, it really would be tied to what you feel God has done the most of in your life. And it's the thing that we probably talk about most when we're sharing our testimony. It's the thing that comes out of our ministry, whether that's in the marketplace or, uh, or in small groups or, or what have you. We all have a core message. It's not just the leader with the microphone. But this authentic journey is, is a huge part of my, it's what I think about a lot. Okay, um, and uh, I, I'm, we're going to jump around a couple of scriptures, but I want you to have your Bibles open or your phones on to one scripture that has very quickly become one of my favourite in the Bible. And I, I'm not sure if I was aware of it until a few months ago. You ever, ever stumble across a scripture and think, huh, I have read the Bible multiple times and I don't know if I've seen that before. Timmy's nodding, which means if Timmy's nodding, it's okay for everyone else to nod because this man is a walking Bible, even if, even if he doesn't like me joking about it sometimes. Two, uh, two Chronicles 20.12, which I find is kind of helpful, easy to remember. Two Chronicles 20.12. This is a scripture that I'm going to have in the background of my talk, but if you, if you remember nothing from today, take this scripture with you. This is uh, one of the king, Jehoshaphat, and he is in a situation where a whole uh, a collection, three, three kingdoms, three armies are coming against Israel, and he and his people are just very, being very honest and admitting, we cannot, we cannot handle this threat. We are we, we have no power, it says, no power to face this great multitude that is attacking us. And here's the scripture I want you to remember. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. If you take nothing from today, take that scripture, lock it away somewhere in your heart. It's biblical to say to God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. It's okay to be authentic and full of faith at the same time. To be honest, humble, yet also have complete faith that God is God and still on his throne. Okay, could probably end the preach there. I'm going to do a little bit more. Um, a little while ago, um, I released, I published my first book, which many of you have got, which is really encouraging. If you haven't, I've got a little box with them. Um, and... Uh, I did a preach about it a little while ago, and um, one of the wonderful, awesome leaders in this church came up to me with a gift a little while after I'd, I'd published the book. And I wonder if I could invite her up. Yasmin, up you come, please. Give her a round of applause. Yasmin, one of our amazing youth leaders. And she, um, she gave me a gift, which really did... I'm not usually a gifts person on the on the life languages scale. And hands up any gifts people? Who's a gift person? Yeah, <laughs> Sharice's like little wave, which means you absolutely adore gifts and you're all about gifts. That little wave, yeah, hundred percent. I'm not usually a gifts person, but I am a I am a sort of integrity person. So if someone gives me a gift that they've really thought about, it just it just really gets me in my gut. And uh, Tanya, I wonder. Uh, um, 
Neha, if you can put this up. Yasmin painted this for me, um, which is a picture. If you, if you have a look at the, the, the front cover of the book, it's sort of of a similar sort of genre or similar image to, uh, to the, the book cover. And I wanted to, I, I've got this stuck up in my bathroom and we use those little sticky things rather than hung it on a nail. And I just didn't really fancy trying to tear it off my bathroom wall so I could have it physically here. So we've got it on the screen. But I want to just, just before I kicked into why I'm showing you this, um, I wanted just to ask Yasmin what it was that, that inspired you to paint this and what the Holy Spirit was speaking to you as you created this, because we're going to use this as a little visual aid for today's message. So over to you. Hi. So um, initially, I didn't know. I had a canvas that I bought ages ago, and I told myself I wasn't going to paint anything on it because it was too big for me to paint anything on. And then Alistair, a few days after... um, a few days after, Alistair did a reading of his book at church so a couple months ago. And the specific reading that he did from his book um, was like, that's what I saw when he was reading that. And I think as, as you were reading it, I just remember just picturing the love of God and like the Father's love. And experiencing it in a whole different way and actually being able to visualize it was something that I was never able to do and when I was able to even like I mean this I tried to do God's love some justice but I don't really know you know I could to be able to do even just a fraction of it is a privilege but um yeah as I was painting it I just remember like just wanting to to show the light coming out of his home and so there's like you can see the tiny little house in the corner but um hence the the name like the name of the book um inspiring this and as because I knew I was going to come up and talk about this today and there was one thing I was like god I just I don't know what you want me to say I don't really know what the process was I just painted what you told me to paint I don't really know what you were saying while I was painting it and just now as I was asking him he reminded me of one moment while I was painting this. There was, the rocks didn't look like that initially. They were actually smooth hills. And I just remember looking at the picture going, this is not how it looks in my mind. Like, this is not how I want to depict the journey. And I was like, I'm going to scrap this and repaint the rocks. And they came out like that, like a whole mess of rocks. And just now I just remember the Lord saying like, this is... This is what our journey with him looks like. This is the beginning and this is what it looks like to walk towards him. And I'm sure you're going to probably talk more about that. But that's, yeah, that's kind of what Holy Spirit was saying as I was, as I was painting that. Well, I, I didn't set Yasmin up for this, but the title that I wrote on the top of my notes for the preach was The Journey. So... Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> We're both listening. Um, I wanted to I wanted to use this as a visual image of um, for today's message because ever since I stuck it up and I I knew in the diary that I was going to be doing this preach, I just 
every time I went into my bathroom, I just saw it and I just thought, that's going to be to do with the preach. That's not good English. I'm going to be using that when I preach. And I didn't quite know even what the message was. I just knew it was, it was core. And Yasmin's kind of just said it, really. This, the rocks, the mountains, that's the journey. That's the journey. That's, this is life. This is the life that we live day in, day out. And I was sat down on my chair and, uh, during worship and I don't know if anybody's done uh, hiking or you've done camping or you've done something that involves walking, probably with a pack on your back or something. Maybe you did it when you were younger, but you'll know what it's like to have a moment where you take a break and you get out a little cereal bar. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you have it and it's somehow like you're infused to walk another three hours, you know? And you, you dig around and you sort of find you've got something broken at the bottom of your bag. Sometimes spiritual life is like that. And sometimes a Sunday sermon isn't for you to remember four weeks, five weeks later, even 24 hours later. Sometimes church on Sunday is a spiritual Nutrigrain bar <laughs> and you just... Okay, I can do a bit more. I can press in a bit harder. I can go a bit further. And sometimes you go on one of those walks or you're, you're trekking and you just crest a hill and you get to see miles ahead. And you have this, this vista of this landscape in front of you and you're like, oh my word, this is the direction I'm going. This is what I'm stepping into. And life is like that sometimes. We have mountain peak moments where suddenly everything is visible and clear. And then sometimes you're just in a puddle and you trip and fall and you go from the puddle to a ditch. And you're not seeing any mountaintops. You're not seeing any, anything worthy of your excitement or your hope because you've just fallen face first again into the dirt. But that is sometimes how life is as well. And as I looked at this, the way that Yasmin had so beautifully painted it was you've got the Father's house at the end, which Jesus talks about in John 14. He says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. And I kind of think of it a little bit like a, like a TARDIS in Doctor Who. You know, it looks like a normal house on the, in, on the outside, but you go in and it just gets bigger and bigger and it, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. But we've got this, this destination that, spiritually speaking, some part of us is already there. Because the scripture says in Ephesians, we're seated in heavenly places. So there's some part of my heart, my soul, my spirit that's, that's already in the Father's house. And that, that's the bit of me that gets, when I lay a hand on somebody and ask for prayer, you know, for the power of the Holy Spirit to go through me. Or I make a declaration about finances or about breakthrough or something. The part of me that's kind of spiritually there is drawing on that authority, drawing on that sonship to be able to make that prayer, to be able to do that declaration. But quite a lot of me is still here, is still progressing, is still journeying. And this, this bit here, this rocky bit, I don't know if you've, uh, if you, everyone loves Psalm 23, don't they? We all love Psalm 23, and we can sort of usually quote most of it, except for we kind of forget one or two lines, if you're like me, I kind of forget the cup bit, or I forget the righteousness bit. But this is Psalm 23, our life is Psalm 23. The Lord leads us through green pastures, which aren't actually green fields a la English postcard, Yorkshire Dales kind of thing. Green pastures is actually looks pretty, it looks pretty arid, pretty deserty. 
but it's lots of little clumps of green turf, mile after mile. It's eat as you go. That's what green pastures is. It's not, you know, the Cotswolds, you know, with sheep and lovely, you know, green... Oh, take the call. (laughs) It's all right, it's fine. It's somebody's calling the computer, it's all right. (laughs) Green pastures that Psalm 23 talks about isn't, isn't the Cotswolds. It's, it's brown, dry ground with clumps of green uh, sort of foliage that the, the flock can eat as they go. It's a journey through. It's not a waiting. The still waters, water's flowing. It's, there's, there's, a, there's something about Psalm 23 that I think should sum up our Christian life. He leads us, let's just read a couple of verses quickly. The Lord is my shepherd, so that makes me a sheep. I'm not going to, I shall not want. He leads me in green pastures, besides still waters, restores my soul, guides me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is probably some of these bits at points in my life, I won't fear. You lay a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. As a Christian, I think Psalm 23 should, should be how we describe our Christian walk. However... <laughs> Psalm 22, the one before, also could be somebody's description of their Christian life. And that's slightly less encouraging at times. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that one, don't we? Uh, Let's have a look. Um, I am a man of scorn, despised by my people. All who see me mock me. Be not far from me. You have been my God. I am poured out like water. All my bones are disjointed. My heart melts like wax, melting within my innards. Thought I might get more of a laugh at that one. Um, (laughs) For some people, the Christian walk is is kind of feels like Psalm (laughs) twenty-two at times. It doesn't feel like. I'm having a feast in the presence of my enemies. It's like my enemies are having a feast in the middle, in in my presence. And they're delighting and they're enjoying everything. And I'm the one who's standing on the outside or I'm the one who's being rebuked or whatever it is. The point I'm trying to make is the journey is sometimes glorious. The journey sometimes sucks. theological statement don't put that on Twitter I I can do better but we we live here we live in the the mountains we're journeying towards the house and as this picture so beautifully shows it's the light that comes from our destination that illuminates the path that we're walking it's our eyes fixed on him that helps us see what our next step needs to be is that is that making sense So what's the house? The house is John 14. It's in my father's house. The house is, it's Revelation 22. It's the river that flows from the temple that brings healing to the nations. It's the vision that Isaiah saw in Isaiah 6 when he stood before the Lord and and was overcome by the power and the holiness of God. It's the new Jerusalem. It's the risen lamb. It's the, the glory of God, the temple. It's the flow of glory that comes from heaven. This is This is what I have in my mind when I talk to a prophetic person. 
what they're seeing like nine nine out of ten times when when you you know when you talk to somebody who's just so in the glory so holy so much of the time i think it, hands up you know isabel allen you're aware of her prophetic person i think this is i think she wakes up every day and just sees the house <laughs> I don't, you know, and I think she floats above the, the, you know, the the hills. I think she just she hovers over it and just like I can see the glory, I can see the glory, and I'm just telling you guys down there. I think, you know, some people are so look feel like they're so holy and so anointed, and I, you know, Isabel would laugh if she heard me say that. But you know, some people, prophetic people, prophets in the room. I think you get out of bed every day, and your first thought is. The house, what's what you know, the, the glory, the temple, the new Jerusalem, the risen Lord. That's what you're thinking of all the time. And that's sometimes why I, I, I love prophets, sometimes why I find them a little bit challenging because I'm like, I'm here, I'm in the rocks, I've got a stone in my shoe and I've been walking with it for the last ten miles. Can you just like you know, just look over here and see that not everybody's kind of basking in the glory all the time. And it's so orphan and it's so silly. But do you know what I mean? There's, there's some people who are so, so, have their eyes so fixed on the destination. We so need those people, do we not? We so need people, people, and it's not just prophetic people, it's people who've got their eyes on the word. People who are in the word because they're seeing the destination, where we're going. And then there are some people Whose, whose calling is so about being in the trenches, is so about being in the, in the rocks, in the mountains. And they're called to lead people through. They're called to lead the limping through, help people, encourage people. You know, whether, it's, whether you're working like, you know, Rianne in a, in a, in a school with, with, with kids or Rita, encouraging everybody she meets constantly or flicky, ministering, whatever, whatever your calling is. Some of you will be called to help people through this area. Does that make sense? But if this is some picture that we can just agree on today as, a, as an analogy for our Christian walk, one of the questions that comes to mind for me is just how do we navigate life? How, how do we walk through this? How do we authentically live our Christian life so we're not being fake, we're not throwing Christian cliches around when we're really crumbling inside, but we are standing on faith, even if we don't feel it. It's complicated, isn't it? You know, I don't want to just say I'm highly favoured and blessed of the Lord when I'm, when I'm dying inside, but I don't want to be so miserable about my circumstances that I can't stand on faith and say I am beloved of the Lord. It's complicated, Yeah. <laughs> Someone's nodding. How do we navigate this? How do we do life? I think there are many, many, many answers to that question. The answer that I will give you today is it has a lot to do with our identity. And it has a lot to do with our character. And it has a lot to do with what we're built upon on our foundation. And this is going to be quite basic 101 stuff. We've been called sons and daughters by the living God. The Father himself, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, came running to rescue us off our prodigal road. Not once, not twice, but 70 times, 70 times, which just means unending amount of times, unrelenting amount of times. The Father came to get us 
Save us from our sins, save us from ourselves, restore us, redeem us, save us from something, but also save us to something. And the saving us to something is save is in a large part, our identity, sons and daughters. That's who we are in God. Romans 8 says those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God, adopted. That's who we are. That's our identity. And some people in this room have struggled with believing their, their identity. And some people are on the journey to believing their identity. And some people are basking in the joy of living in their identity. And all three of those are okay because the Lord works through us through a journey. Identity is massive, but the other piece is character. Because you can know an awful lot about God and you can even know a lot about your identity, but it has to come out of you. Like... You have to, we, we have to respond, we have, to, we have relationships, we have responsibilities, we've got dreams. We can pursue those things poorly or we can pursue those with power. I believe to pursue them with power, we need to have a really good character. And this is the thing that is very dangerous for many people, and I've walked this through myself, that your gifting and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is without repentance can come on you and you can be put into situations where your character is not strong enough to cope with what you've been brought into. I won't say names, but there was an author in the States who wrote a very, very popular book, controversial book, but it was a very, very popular book. He was very young. The book sold millions. He got thrust into the senior leadership of a mega church at a very, very young age. And over a number of years, he secretly was battling with the feelings of unworthiness to be in that role and being unprepared and unable to do the role. Over time, everything started crumbling around in his life. He left the role. He recently, in the last year, announced that he's no longer a Christian. And this is a guy who wrote a book that many of you probably would know the title of if you've been a Christian for a while. But his gifting and his anointing elevated him really fast. And he got put into the, the mega job of the mega church. Five years later, ten years later, he's not even a Christian anymore. Because character is the thing that gives you the strength and the foundations to be able to do the things you've been called to do. But it has to start with your identity. I am who God says I am, number one. I have to be who he says I am. When I'm doing that... I then get to do the things he's called me to do. And I've said this before, when you be the person God is calling you to be, you'll do the things that God is calling you to do. And I think it really is as simple as that. But identity is massive. Without, it, without character, you're just, you're, you know a lot of Christian stuff, but it's not really going to help you navigate life. So character, and I'm going to try and wrap this up. Where do, we, where do we get character from? How do we, how do we develop that? I think uh, there are some classic church answers that I can give you at this point that you'll be very aware of. Character is not formed in isolation. Spending time in your prayer closet is great. And some people, I think I was talking to Dwayne on his holiday, wherever, wherever Dwayne is, he spent three days 
in the secret place, you know, Eric Gilmore style, just lock the door. I'm going to be with Jesus for three days. Do that. If you, if you are able to do that with your life at some point, you are going to meet God, guaranteed. Isolation for prayer time is huge. But community is where we get sharpened. Iron sharpens iron. We need the support of the church. The early church in Acts met in the temple courts, which would have been thousands in Jerusalem, but also house to house, breaking bread together, sharing all that they had in need. The church of Jesus that was born in Acts came out of corporate gatherings of worship and, and word like, we've just, like we're having now. But it also happened in little relational clumps, little twos and threes. And one of my probably one of my challenges, I guess, with ministry, and I don't I think I've had mixed success and mixed failure with running our small group system in church. I think I've probably tried to make the system work and try and make sure that the only community groups that were happening in our church were ignite groups, branded ignite groups. <laughs> with the leaders on a WhatsApp group and the, the you know, all of that kind of organisational stuff. And I, I do think there was something right and honest in, in that. But it's very hard to form relational groups from a church that's spread all over London and spread all over the world. And, you know, our friends online is a challenge. And I think maybe what I should have done a bit more is push, just make friends with each other, community groups, Meet someone for coffee, little triplets, whatever it, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't have to be a branded catch the fire thing for it to be good and relational and strengthening. One of the best small groups I ever been, was in in my entire life was at university uh, when I was in Nottingham in my second year. And a guy called Dave and a guy called Chris basically strong armed me into prayer every Tuesday once a week for a year because I was struggling. <laughs> I was so struggling. I was. Fear of man, trying to evangelize to my drunken friends by being drunk myself on a regular basis. Preaching the gospel to kebab guys who, you know, their little kebab vans at three in the morning on the streets of Nottingham, slurring my words about Jesus. I was just a mess. I was trying to do something right in all the wrong ways. And these two guys, Dave and Chris, forced me into prayer once a week. And that small group saved my life. Doesn't need to be 12 people. Doesn't need to be all the things we think it needs to be. Character is huge. Relationships, iron will sharpen iron. People who you trust will challenge you. Being in the word, being in community, being honest, trusting God and others with you. Character is huge. And scripture points a lot to it. And I want to just read a couple. And I'm going to emphasize some words here. And you can follow, I can give you my notes afterwards if you want. Um, but Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. These are some character verses that I've had in the front of my journal for a little while now. Trust in the Lord. This is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you the path to take. That one's a big one for me because I've been thinking about paths and roads for a while. 1 Peter 5, 5. This is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you know that scripture, that exact line of scripture is in the Bible in four separate places. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
humble character can step into the things of God. A proud character will either never be able to step into the things of God or, even worse, maybe will step into the things of God like a ticking time bomb and cause destruction everywhere. I'm being serious, but character is huge. This, is my, this was, my, was the very first verse I ever read that I felt was a life verse for me. And it's a couple of verses, and it still is now, 1 Timothy 4. This is Paul talking to his ministry son, Timothy. Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you do and say, in the way you live, your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging believers, teaching them, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Just close your eyes for a second. I'm going to read that again, but I'm reading this line to you. <laughs> Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through prophecy spoken over you when the elders in the church laid their hands on you. You all have a gift. You've all had something prophesied over you, whether you realise it or not. And if you haven't, come find me at the end. Scripture prophesies over you, as well as the freshly spoken word. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. That's a big one. Keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear from you. This is just three verses on character, not to even to mention the qualifications for eldership. 1 Timothy, 1 Peter, Titus, Galatians 5, John 5, where 40 separate qualities of character are given. Bible is quite clear. <laughs> we need to be people of character. And it's a, this isn't so much a, right, everyone stand up and the fire of God is going to come down on us, preach. It might do. But I'm speaking to a deep place because each one of us is journeying on our way to the presence of God, the ultimate home we have in God, but also the everyday available presence of God. Each one of us is doing that journey. We wake up in the morning, we say something like, God, please help today. Come, amen, please. I want the fire of God. I want the prophecy of God. I want the intimacy with God. But I really want a character that is rooted in Christ on the foundation. Jesus said it really simple, John 4 to the woman at the well, spirit and truth. That's the kind of worship the Father's looking for. Be rooted on the word. And, on the, and connected to the spirit of God. Intimacy with Jesus, planted in the word. That's as complicated as it needs to be. Lord, I want to know who I am. I want to have the character that Christ had. And I want to be rooted in the spirit and truth. And I'm going to pray for all of us that, that the Lord strengthens our character. And I know character strengthening can actually be quite hard work. <laughs> Because you have to die to self and you get pressed and you get squeezed and not everything happens according to the way that you would like it to happen. 
And then somebody says, well, you know, it's character building, isn't it? And you're like, this will be character building. Yeah, when I stick my foot out and you trip over it, that will be character building for you. I don't want to hear that when I'm, when I'm going through it, but it's true. Think back to your life. How many times has God redeemed your worst day and made it a marker for the strength of his love in your life? How many times has he turned ashes into beauty in your life? God works through all things. So I'm going to pray for those of you who would like to feel the Lord grow your character. But then the second people I want to pray for is people who heard that verse right at the start, 2 Chronicles 20.12. Oh, and our kids should be coming back in, sorry. 2 Chronicles 20.12. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Anyone in the room who right now is experiencing a life situation where you honestly will say, I don't know what to do, but I'd like my eyes to be on you. We're going to pray for you, okay? And I wonder, just... Just hands up, because I just want to see if there's many in the room. Hands up if you have a testimony where that was your experience. You didn't know what to do. Your eyes were on God, and then he came through. Hands up if you've got that testimony. Okay. I might ask you guys to come forward and pray for the ones who actually need it, because there's nothing like imparting when you've had a victory in the Lord. Amen. Why don't we stand and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you now. We invite you to come. Come come on us, Lord, adults and children in the room, especially the children, God. Oh, Lord, that the children would get this way quicker than we all did. <laughs> Holy Spirit, just, just ask him to come and land on you right now, just for you personally. Holy Spirit, come and land on me personally right now. I want you, God. I want you, God. My heart cries out for you, God. Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you would come into this room and into the heart of every single person, Lord, who has a desire to meet you. And Lord, I pray that the power of your presence would come into the hearts and into the minds and overshadows the soul and ignites the spirit of every single person in this room and online. And I pray, Lord, for the strengthening of good and godly character in every person in this room. Lord, I pray that you would empower everybody's character to such a degree that they would be fully capable in you, God, of being able to carry the mantle of their calling, their anointing, and their gifting. Lord, I pray protection for everyone in this room that their gift would never run away with them. That they would never get into a place where they were ministering to people without the foundation of your presence and your word. Lord, that nobody would be like a a sheep surrounded by wolves because their gift took them somewhere their character couldn't sustain them. Lord, I pray for the future preachers in this room, the present preachers in this room, the leaders, the marketplace leaders, the business leaders, the parents, the coffee shop workers, the coaches, the sportsmen, 
the business owners, the property owners, the plumbers and electricians and engineers and builders. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our character, that we would have the character of Christ. We would have the character of Jesus Christ rooted in our identity. Lord, I bless the kids, even if they don't need to understand what you do in them in this moment. But Lord, would you do it in them? Would they grow up and just think, I know who I am, world. And I know whose I am. And I'm rooted in Christ. And I'm going to be, I'm going to choose to be humble and get God's grace rather than be proud, think I know it all and go alone. Lord Jesus, would you infuse us with the character of Christ right now? And just as we, as we get close to wrapping up, I just want to invite forward anyone who right now in their heart has a situation in their life where they could honestly say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I really do want my eyes to be on you. If you would like your church family to hold your arms up right now and pray and impart an ability to see Jesus in the midst of your situation, please come and just line up along the front, even if it's one person. Don't be embarrassed. We don't have to share what it is. But if you don't know what to do right now, but you want your eyes to be on him. Thank you, guys. Just come forward. Come forward with faith. Come forward knowing that Jesus is able to empower you to see him, even if you're in a ditch right now. Thank you, guys. I just honour you guys for just being humble and vulnerable right now. The Lord sees it and loves it. If you've got a testimony, we're not going to lay on hands. But if you know few weeks, a few months ago, a few years ago, you were in this place, then just come and gather around and just, just stretch a hand towards these guys. And we're not going to keep in COVID compliant here, but just stand, raise a hand. If you've had a breakthrough from God, if he took you through, I don't know what to do, but my eyes stayed on him. If he called you out of the pit and you've got that testimony, then right now with your own words, impart impart faith impart endurance (laughs) impart the ability to see God and maybe you can just even give thanks for how the Lord carried you through that he carried you through that bereavement he carried you through that job loss he carried you through that housing situation he carried you through that financial debt season he carried you through that relationship breakup he carried you through that calling question he carried you through that church split whatever it is he carried you through and that means that you have the ability to now impart that he did it for me freely I receive freely I give and we just bless you guys down at the front and anyone online right now who wasn't physically able to walk through we just impart to you right now as well Lord Jesus we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you and Lord we pray for every single one of these people online and in the room and if you're slightly there but you decided not to come forward that's okay we, we impart it to you as well It's okay to be real, vulnerable, as Dan so wonderfully showed last week. We can be real and still have our eyes firmly fixed on the King for whom nothing is impossible.
So God, we bless right now every single person here. We bless every situation. We bless every unanswered question, every what if. Father, would you impart and remind your children that they are your children? Would you put confidence in their hearts? Lord, would you redeem anything that just seems like it's gone completely wrong? Would you turn it to good? God, you waste nothing. You get us ready. And Lord, for each one of us in this room, Father, I pray today a reminder deep in our heart, a seed planted. We're sons, we're daughters. We have access to the mind of Christ and therefore the character of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And Lord, plant us all on the rock that is spirit and truth. How are we going to worship? How are we going to navigate all of this? By spirit and truth.